0: From Route 95 North. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Friends of the Show podcast. I am joined by the soon-to-be married Brian Geiler And what an eight days we have had. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about, and we have a lot—I mean, a lot of time to talk about. It. We get a lot more time than I think the listeners would afford us. So this is a this is a key element of. I I know that I probably listen to more podcasts than you. But a lot of people that do podcasts will eventually, if they do them long enough, do a podcast in a car. Because if you're on a long drive, it's a pretty huge waste of time going from point A to point B. Because our bodies are in the car, we can't do anything about it until we get where we're going. There's only so much you can do. You have put together pretty darn good playlists of music, I will have to say. But there's only so much you can do. And so a lot of people will try to record a podcast in the car. People do this to varying degrees of success. I'm hoping this one will be good.
1: I hope so too but we certainly have a lot of ground to cover because we not only do we have a lot to talk about but uh, we figuratively in, uh, you know, in that regard but we literally have a lot of ground to cover here as we are now probably in what Delaware at this point? Maybe still in Maryland. Maybe still in
0: Maryland, maybe in Delaware. We're going to be making the trip all the way up through Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island and then back home. Uh,
1: John do you know why they call Delaware the first state?
0: I believe it was the the first to ratify the United States oh, or the Declaration it. of Independence. Thought well, I, I was going to slip one by you. Which one it is was? It? Uh,
1: I think it was the Constitution.
0: I might be wrong. Now, see, this is the beauty of it. I'm using my so old I asked a question phone. and I still didn't know the answer. I'm using my old phone to do this, so I can use my new phone to actually wiki the answer. But well, we should probably
1: talk about something else because that's not good podcasting. Yeah, like I said, really it would have been better if I asked the question and actually knew the answer. I mean, I knew that they were the first state to ratify, and then after that, it was a little foggy for me. This is where a lot of podcasts run off the rails. Fortunately, we've got a lot of
0: backup material we can go to. First of all, i got to say, as road trips go, road trips are heavily dependent on who you take them with. Correct. Because there are good road trips and bad road trips, and it depends on a lot of different things. I think we're a pretty ideal road trip tandem. That's not to say we would work in anyone else's road trip. No. But as far as you and I road tripping with one another, we could probably go just about
1: anywhere. Yeah, there's pretty much nobody I'd rather road trip with. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I wouldn't wish myself upon a lot of other people for a road trip. And I would say the same. We
0: put up with each other a lot better than most people put up with us, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that like on this trip, you, you were saying you're going to put together a musical playlist. I knew I'd be able to count on uh, Lido Shuffle, yep. Levon and Rubber Biscuit, all on this trip. And Rubber Biscuit, yeah. Bow, bow. There's nobody else in the world that I could have counted on to hit all three of those home runs on the road
1: trip. And there are, even, the,
0: there are even people in the world that don't like those songs. I don't know any. Of those.
1: But I would also say that there's no one else that I could count on to appreciate me putting yeah. those on a playlist. Mm-hmm. So, like, like you said, it works out. We work well together. This is going to be a fine trip, even though we're not probably not going to get back to my house in Bridgewater until about three o'clock in the morning. Hey, it is what it is. And I'd also like to report that we are less than an hour into our journey here, and I already have to pee. So we have that going for us. Yeah, you had an
0: interesting decision-making <laughs> process on the drive down because you needed to pee pretty early in the trip. You crushed a whole water bottle in, like, the first half hour of the drive. Thought that was questionable, but everybody, you know, is a little different on the inside. So I'm like, maybe maybe he can hold it better than I can because I'm not running too well with that these days as I age I mean, him. now 28, by the way. Hey, happy I, birthday for, you, for that last you. weekend. Um, so... We had planned on driving to a, the biggest goal of this road trip on both ends. Yeah, we wanted to see some friends. We wanted to see the Red Sox. The biggest goal is to avoid Route 95 in Connecticut at all costs. The two, two of us share a mutual disdain for Route 95 in Connecticut. that goes back many years, but we're finally doing something about it here on this trip. So we wanted to make sure we took the tap and Zee Bridge. People that have taken long road trips out of New England to other places, particularly along the eastern seaboard know that you can't go anywhere without passing through New York City. You just have to do it. And 99% of GPSs will take you down 95 the whole trip and will force you across the GW Bridge, which hits you with a double whammy. Not, I mean, you understand you're going to hit traffic in New York. It's one of the largest cities in the world, as we learned at Home Alone 2. And you're just going to have to deal with it. But what you shouldn't have to deal with are the three to five no car accident, no cop in sight, no road construction, but still for some reason a traffic
1: jam on 95 in Connecticut. It's maddening, and it always happens, guaranteed every time. I spent four years of undergrad at Hofstra University on Long Island. Every time I had to drive home, uh, you know my mom was was usually the one who had to come down and pick me up. Every now and then i take the train, then towards the later part of it it actually became cheaper to fly than it was to take the train, so I started doing that. But those drives from New York to Cape Cod, courtesy of 95 in Connecticut, were some of the worst times of my life. What, an, what a horrific stretch of road. And I'm just ecstatic that we're going to be able to completely avoid it on this trip here as we were on the way home. I mean, on the way down here. It was the Constitution that was the first to be ratified by okay. Delaware to
0: tie up that particular loose end. But anyway, in order to avoid the GW Bridge and that stretch of 95, you have to deceive your GPS into thinking you are going somewhere else. Otherwise, it will force you, no matter how many times you try it not to, no matter how many internal GPS, avoid tolls, avoid highways, all the avoid traffic, all those settings, it will still bottleneck you down so i plugged in the gps to go to south nyack new york which is the town that is on the other end of the tappan Zee bridge and i had the directions just to go there figuring we would just kind of regroup after we crossed it because in my opinion that's the toughest part of the trip and then we'd be on easy street from there so i i tell you that when we're about to get over the tappan Zee bridge and i tell you we can just we can just stop in south nyack and just kind of regroup from there, get new directions, going to Holly and Brian Felt, as friends of the show's house. We pull off in a Chinese food parking lot, Chinese restaurant parking lot to be more specific, and we stretch out, I take my jacket off because the sun's out now, and I'm pointing out all these different gas stations that you can pee at, and you just refuse to do it, and you had it, but you had it, I give you credit, because you were determined from the start of the trip that you weren't going to pee until you got into New Jersey, and you stuck to that. I, I'm not sure
1: why. Well, you know, I mean, New Jersey is a state that typically smells like pee. Okay. So I figured, you know, first of all, I would just be contributing to the air quality, so or lack thereof. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, I had it in my mind that I wasn't going to pee until we got to New Jersey. And then, once we got to New Jersey, and we the first rest stop, by the way, I thought that that was right there on the Jersey Turnpike. I, I thought that you roll through like, the New York City area there, you go past the Meadowlands, and right there is a rest stop. I was mistaken. There was It was at least another 25 minutes ride after that until we came to a rest stop. So by the time we walked into that rest stop, I took probably what was, like, the longest pee of my life. It was probably, like, a good four-minute pee.
0: It evoked memories of Austin Powers <laughs> when he gets unfrozen for me. Because I, you got into the bathroom before I did. You started peeing before I did. I did all of my peeing, stopped washed my hands, dried my hands, and saw that you were still peeing after I had completed like the entire process. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. I'm just standing there in awe for, you know, a good maybe 10 count until you finished up and then we left. That must have been just absolute hell, that last maybe 20 to 30 minute stretch there as we were closing in on the Thomas
1: Edison rest area. Yeah, it wasn't pleasant for me, but... Hey, it happens, and I, it was something that I decided I was going to do. And you know what? I don't think I'm proud of it, but I'm not disappointed in my decision. I think I made the right call. So we made the
0: mini stop there for directions. We made the full stop there. We roll into Sykesville, Maryland, which we actually were in. We could have, if we were just going straight to Baltimore, we could have been in Baltimore at 2:15 p.m. Sykesville is to the west and out in the boonies, so we had to drive that distance. We pull in to the Feltus estate at 240 PM having left from Bridgewater at seven. That's about as good as you're ever gonna get.
1: Well for a Friday driving down the eastern seaboard could not have been any better. I mean I thought that if we got there at three I would be ecstatic and the fact that we got there at like two forty five, incredible. I think it was like two forty one or something like that. I mean real I was I was really impressed, and and listen, it helped that we didn't stop for lunch. We we pack, packed some chips and some sandwiches and things like that. You know, my fiance Glenn was nice enough to uh, to throw some stuff. She bought some uh, high sea ecto cooler, so we had some of that. It's clutch. Um, you know, so I mean, we, we did we did we, we did it right. We didn't have to stop at a McDonald's and pay nine dollars for a Big Mac, and then you know get back on the road and immediately have to take a dump. So I mean, we we, we made the right decision. And, and you know, we had to leave a little early. Like, we got here last night, went to the Red Sox game, and, and now here we are about, you know, I don't know how many hours, 30 hours later, not even, and we're leaving. But that was a solid 30 hours as you could have right there.
0: MVP of the road trip has to be Route 15 in Connecticut. If you're someone that's driven to New York for the purpose of going to New York, most people from eastern Massachusetts know that you don't necessarily have to go 95, that you can go... 84 to 91 into New York. So 84 and 91, I don't think those are big secrets, but Route 15 is just a more prim and proper version of Route 95 that runs almost alongside it, just to the north, and brings you straight over to where you need to be to get to the Tappan Zee Bridge. Sailed right along the whole way, very nice little train stations along the way, the signs were also a better design, trees along the side trees in the middle of the highway probably one of the nicest roads I've been on because you go through some big-time money communities on the drive why anyone drives on 95 I don't know I can't tell you anymore I don't know
1: yeah what's really sad for me is that I didn't realize this sooner like route route was it 15 15 route 15 should have been on my planogram or whatever you want to call it forever And the fact that it's now 2013, I'm just now getting around to figuring this out, shame on me. However, kudos to you for finally figuring it out and getting me on board with it, because now I'm pretty sure I'm not going to go any other way when I have to drive to New York. Makes a lot of sense. So That that was the drive down. We get
0: in, and we actually go to last night's Red Sox-Orioles game, which it won't be last night's by the time this sees the light of Internet Day. But Oriole Park,
1: you just can't stop coming back because it's that great. Oriole Park... To me, and now you've been to a lot more major league stadiums than I have. I really still
0: haven't been to that many. I've been to one that's not even used anymore. Whatever it was, originally known as Joe Robbie Stadium in Miami. It became several other things. Pro Player Stadium, Dolphin Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know the one I'm Land Shark about. Stadium. Land Shark Stadium. I went to that one. That one's no longer used. To. I went to Tropicana Field and the, both the new and old Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium with you. So far, that's been it. All right, Fenway, so, I, Fenway, so I've Nashua. been
1: to Fenway, yeah. Old Yankee Stadium, uh, Shea Stadium. You went to, Shea I never Stadium, got to Shea. Baltimore, the and fact that U.S. Know, cellular Field the fact in Chicago. That we
0: know each other's lists. Yeah, I think speaks to our friendship.
1: So we've probably been to around the same amount of stadiums. Yeah, but you've definitely done a lot more in like different areas. Like I've never done the Florida thing, but I went to U.S. Oh, cellular Turner
0: Field, obviously.
1: That's yes, right. And see, I went to U.S. Cellular in Chicago, and you've never been games. there, so there yeah. was that. So. Yeah, we've got a pretty good list going, but Camden Yards is just so much better than 90% of the ballparks that are out there right now, and it really is a shame. You know, as much as I love Fenway Park, and I really do appreciate what they've done to, to keep it updated and, and, you know, make it so that it's not a total disaster like it was 13, 14 years ago, you go to a place like Camden Yards and you're just like, man, this is like perfect. The warehouse is perfect. Everything about the place, like they couldn't have done it any better, and now... You know, that ballpark is now over over 20 years old, and it still is just immaculate. It can be the little thing sometimes with a venue, and we're actually coming up on,
0: I pointed this out on the drive down, this is fake Oriole Park that we're passing right now, home of the Aberdeen Iron Birds, which are owned by the Cal Ripken Ownership Group. And they have, alongside Route 95, they have this knockoff Camden Yards that they've built. It's actually pretty nice. You can't see the field, but it looks like, it looks like there's a game going on now, huh?
1: Yeah, I see a scoreboard. I want
0: It's nothing to nothing at the first inning, maybe the top of the second, I suppose, depending on the make and model of the scoreboard. It's Ripken Stadium. The minor league playoffs are all over by now.
1: Yeah, so, so I don't know, know what's going on. Is it beer
0: league softball or something? High school? All right, maybe. All right. But anyway, two things they let you do at Oriole Park that they absolutely should let you do at Fenway Park. One, is there are all kinds of people as you walk up who sell... Bottled beverage, it's not alcohol. They sell you like Gatorade and water for a dollar. And there's a lot of people who just, enterprising people, who just stand on the sidewalk and they, they hawk these drinks. There's actually one guy the last time we were there that I thought was really ahead of the game a guy that had driven a tour bus to the game. So he was already working and getting paid as a bus driver, had put a couple of coolers in the bottom of the bus, and while everybody from his bus was in watching the game, he was selling water bottles. I want to be like that guy as I age. That guy really had it figured out. That's the American
1: dream, isn't it? I mean...
0: Oh, absolutely. To be a bus driver that sells water, how does it get better than that? What I'm trying to say is, you buy these waters for buck, as the only rule is you can't open them until you get into the stadium, for some kind of safety reason, I would imagine. But as long as you don't... Want to make sure you don't film with with like vodka and stuff. Right, that too. So as long as you don't crack the drink, you can bring it in, which sets up this whole market where people can sell all these drinks outside. That's one. And then number two, and I've used this service on more than one occasion now, if you don't have your whole group there to go into the ballpark together, even if you didn't claim a ticket from Will Call, even if you bought it some other way, which was StubHub in our case, you can leave a ticket at the will call window and go into the park, someone else can go in and claim it, no cost. Now, that is not a particularly, you know, they're not especially great that they, everyone should offer that service. That's just basic human decency. But we have been refused these things in Boston for so long that when you get a little bone tossed to you
1: like this, it just feels like the greatest thing in the world. You know, Boston is just one of those towns that, like, there's two things that apparently don't fly there. Common sense and courtesy. Right. And those are two things that you just described that, you know, if you if you explain those things to people in Baltimore and Atlanta and, you know, the Midwest, and you said, say, this is what happened. Right. They would say, I don't know why you think that this is an exceptional thing. This is stuff that, that you know, regular human beings do for each other. Not in Boston. That's just—it's that's just not how it happens. I mean, every you know the people up there, are, and I'm you know we're from Massachusetts. We get it. The people up there—they're a little more hard, you know hardened. They're they're a little grumpier, and you know whatever. But I mean, these these are not things that we're not asking for you to you to give us your kidney. You know, it'd be nice if you'd open up a will call stand and let me store stuff there. And you know, it, it was. We had a really good experience, and uh, you know, even the drunk lady who was in our row, who was trying to strike up a conversation with everyone in our party, like she she couldn't, um, you know, ruin our time. That was good. So I think we should back the train up a
0: little bit here because this trip, if people are wondering why we made this trip, it wasn't just to see the Red Sox. It was kind of like an appendix to your bachelor party because I was organizing your bachelor party. Started a little bit at the beginning of the summer, really began in earnest in August was when I really got flying on putting stuff in place and I was trying to nail down a date because that can be the biggest thing for a bachelor party. A bachelor party is not like a wedding where you know you pick a date and the whole thing settled around the date. Bachelor party is a little different because you have to gauge the availability of everyone that you you gave me a list of people you wanted to go. I had to try to figure out when they could go and when they wanted to go. And then you have to try to pick a date that works best for the most people and then hope that everybody else just kind of falls in line around it. So as I was putting out these dates, you basically told me you didn't care when it was as long as it was a Saturday in September because you had all your Saturdays in September open. And you could make any of those work just as long as you knew which one it was gonna be. That's so, yeah. yeah. okay. yeah, a- so I put that out to everybody and it turned out that they were on the seventh in September. The seventh, fourteenth, twenty first, twenty eighth were the Saturdays in September. So I just sent those dates out to everybody. I said, Which ones work the best for you? And I di- I was hoping that one one date would kind of run away with it. None did Everyone seemed to agree that the 7th was bad and not a lot of people were enthusiastic about the 28th. They seemed to think that the later we went the better, but I couldn't really get 14, 21 or 28. So, what I got the idea to do after talking to the Feltuses a little bit cuz they're they're in that they're in that great window of time right now where they're married, they're in a home, but they don't have a lot of, like, that area friends yet in Maryland. They also don't have any kids yet, but they have this house that they've gotten for the purposes of having kids, so they have all this space, and they don't have a lot of close-by friends yet, so they're, they're like, begging people to come stay in their house and eat their food right now. And a- after that happened a little bit, and I knew it would be tough for Brian to get there, I also knew it would be tough for Adam Jerzyk, friend of the show, who lives in the Mid-Atlantic, to get there done it dawned on me, well, maybe we can actually just split this up. Because you had some people from out of area you were hoping to get as well. You had, you had a friend in Chicago. You had a friend in New York. I was thinking, we can offer these two different dates, one on the Cape, one in Baltimore, and then people can just make what they make. You know, they, if they make one, if they make both, you know, they'll be invited to both, whatever. And just hope for that. Took a little, Took a little coaxing to talk you into that. But you eventually decided to go with it. I think it ended up working very well.
1: Yeah, and big ups to Glenn, too, because this was the sort of thing yeah, that, was that, huge. that I was, you know... You were okay with it, but you knew you were
0: going to have to sell it yourself. Right,
1: because I knew that this, you know, you had proposed to me a two-weekend thing. The first weekend would involve the, ba- the Boston-based bachelor party with the people who were going to be able to make that. That was never a problem for me. I was like, that sounds great. We'll, we'll, we'll nail that date down. And the second option, you know, you said, okay, well, in addition to that, next the next weekend, why don't we take the Friday off? We'll go down to Baltimore this just happens to be two weeks from my wedding so I'm thinking to myself okay well you know two weeks that's really that's that's hard like this is you know there's gonna be a lot of stuff to me and Glenn are doing we're gonna be running around it's gonna be craziness so I figured that it was gonna be kind of hard to, to convince her you know that I was just gonna be go, go MIA for three days two weeks before the wedding and, and and all that so to her credit you know she was she was like okay well let me think about it and you know we just made an agreement that if we were able to get most of what we had done most most of what we had to do done before i left that this was not going to be a problem so i you know i sure heard that that wouldn't be a problem that we'd, we'd get it all done and luckily we were able to finish everything on our list so not only did we get most of it done but we got everything done so she was like yeah that's that's totally fine i mean she knew that this meant a lot to me she knew that i wanted to get to spend time with the, you know brian and holly and adam jurizic and people like that who live down in this area who weren't able to come up and be with us the weekend before. So it really could not have worked out any better. The Red Sox won, which is like, you know, that's just icing on the cake. They've got the best record in baseball. They've clinched home field now throughout for the entire postseason. Really just worked out tremendously. I'm glad you mentioned
0: that, you know, that you could do the Baltimore weekend as long as you had everything else done. Because in my little reflections on being 27 as I turned 28, I think that's maybe the most valuable lesson that I learned. If you want to do anything, you can do it. You just have to plan it far enough in ahead as, as best you can. I mean, the plans will change. But we wouldn't have been able to do what we did if we had just started planning it like a day or a week. before. There just would have been no way. But I was able to have conversations with people six and eight weeks out before it happened, so we were able to pencil a lot of this stuff in. I recently, like a month ago, purchased a big-ass dry erase wall calendar at BJ's for $10 and put it on the wall of my bedroom it has changed my life I don't know if this would have gone as well if not for that $10 wall calendar on my room because when you can start to see stuff coming and you can write notes about it on your wall on the side of it it's amazing how much that drives you to make sure you stay on top of stuff and do stuff and I think that was like a huge development for me personally I don't know about for you this year like, right now, we're coming home from this trip. I am already, partially as a joke, but partially not at all, planning with Brian Feltis a tailgate party for next October. Because,
1: more than a year from now.
0: More than a year from now, because the uh, his Iowa Hawkeyes are coming to town, relatively speaking, to play Maryland at Maryland, which is high, you know did not happen in the past before all this crazy college conference realignment. Now it's happening October eighteenth, two 2014. Hey, friends of the show, I'm putting it out there now. Book it on your calendars. It's on mine. It's
1: listed as an all-day event, and it will be that. Your version of the wall dry erase calendar, for me, is the phone calendar that syncs. I do that, too. I went
0: crazy with Google Calendar a few months ago.
1: Right, so Google Calendar saves my life because what I do is I have mine synced with lens. So anytime one of us commits to something, we immediately put it in the calendar and the other person knows that, you know, you don't get an alert or anything but if someone asks me, you know, let's say on a Tuesday if they ask me to do something, hey can you do something two weeks from Saturday, I put it in my calendar then the next day Glenn gets asked by one of her friends, hey can you do something two weeks from Saturday, she looks in her calendar and immediately sees that we have something going on and can on the spot just be like no. I can't tell you how many phone calls and text messages this has relieved me of. It, it's like, it's the technology is so simple, but it's really like a lifesaver. I mean, I don't have to call her and say, "Hey, listen, what do we have going on tonight?" I have it in our, we have it in the calendar. We know. And you're right. I think I think that's just like—is yeah. this the last step in becoming an adult, like figuring out? How I don't to like I don't know, but I, I
0: do have to mention because he's probably just listening to this, shaking his head at me right now. Will Busier was doing all of oh, this stuff course. we're talking about when I lived with him six years ago. Yeah, all of it. He was doing all of it. He was using Google Calendar before I knew it existed. Right. And he had he had his synced with Bridget's a long long time. Yep. ago. Yeah. And he was just generally on top of his stuff. Along, like nothing I'm doing is, is new. Like these are all ways right. that you can organize an adult life, I guess. But yeah, no, I think yeah, it could be a big part of it.
1: Yeah, and and, and listen, it's no surprise that you and I found out that Will became an adult a lot earlier than me. Yeah, we, yeah, and yeah, I mean that's like we already knew that. Will already knew that. So yeah, he's he's definitely laughing at us. but the ultimate friend of the show, Will, was here.
0: Absolutely. Although another contender for that is his friend, your friend, and mine, Pete Bonelli, Will's roommate from college. Who of the of the wide net that I cast out, trying to get celebrity guest appearances at your bachelor party, he was the one that came through. And did he
1: ever come through? Pete M and Brookline, who who is a fr- you know he's a friend of Will. That is how he came into our life. He was Will's best friend, really, in college. The two of them had like a really good core group of guys that they hung out with, and. Like, right—Pete was one of those guys. And actually, to be honest with you, all of Will's friends in college were were those guys for me. Like, when we went there to visit them at Providence College, there was was nothing, like, pretentious about it. They were very welcoming to both of us. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Nice to meet you. Asked about us and stuff like that. And we got to know them, like, on a really, like, genuine level. And I was really excited because, like, while Pete—I don't view Pete as, like, my friend because I still kind of think of him as Will's friend. Right. I think that like last week it really did like make me realize like you know hey like Pete's my friend too like Pete's not just Will's friend like he's that kind of guy that like who doesn't like Pete Mongeau? seriously show me that guy and I'll think. I, I don't ass. know.
0: So he was there, made it a lot of fun, but he wasn't there for the start of it. We went last Saturday, started out, and I have to give huge thanks to the Bednarks at Barnstable Bat Company. This one was. I I wanted this back. I wanted this to be like the backbone of what we were doing because we, the bachelor party came together as like, it was me planning and me talking to the people that were going to go, but it was also an ongoing conversation that you and I were having over several weeks where I had an idea in my mind, you had an idea in your mind and we were just constantly talking to one another to try to reconcile our differing ideas for what this should be and to try to bring it to something that match because you had you had the dates that you gave me the people that you wanted but you also said that you, you, had, you had a couple of things that you wanted to incorporate two cousins who are under the age of 21 your father and your soon-to-be father-in-law you wanted all four of them to be part of the bachelor party and so you wanted to have stuff ideally on Cape Cod didn't have to be but you wanted some stuff to be on Cape Cod early in the day that all of them could take advantage of, be part of, and then we could break a smaller group off of that in Boston at night. So to me, nothing fit that description better than a tour of Barnstable Bat Company and making some bets
1: Yeah, and that was awesome because that's the sort of thing that if you hear that, oh you're taking a, you're going to Barstable Bat Company, like oh yippee but it ended up being a really cool experience because we got to first of all see Tom and Christine Bednark who are two of the coolest people you'll meet really nice people really passionate about what they do you know operate a small business they're you know they're like perfect they're like per- their, their kids are really successful they're like perfect people
0: well, the thing I was worried about is you know obviously during the peak of the summer they probably have tours in there every day and people are in and out of there all the time and they're making bats for Cape League players and filling orders for the baseball season by the time you get to September 21st, 90% of baseball is over. The majors are still going. Every minor league is done. Colleges are done. High school leagues are done. College summer leagues are done. There aren't. A, there isn't a whole lot of demand for bats to be made at that time, and they're a married couple. They have no other employees there, and they're empty nesters. So that's like high time of year while the weather is good, to travel yourselves, to catch up with friends you haven't seen particularly on Cape Cod where you're working out straight for the whole summer it's a time to step away so I just didn't know if we would be able to get them to hang around on a Saturday to do a tour they did on the only stipulation that we did it in the morning and that ended up just being absolutely perfect I'm actually wearing a barstable bat t-shirt while we're doing this check it out capecodbat.com buy some wooden baseball bats handmade as we learned
1: yeah, it was great. It was great. We 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 got to see you know the whole process, but more importantly, we got to support a local business. Um, and I got a really sweet bat out of it. We bought a nice uh, trophy bat off the wall. You guys were nice enough to buy it for me, and we had everybody who was there sign it, including Mr. Bednark himself, who was the one who made it. So uh, I got a nice trophy bat out of it. And as soon as I get a respectable place to live, it's going to go right up on the wall. It's got all engraved, got my name on it, and everything. So, like he said, CapeCodBat.com. Check it out if you're not you know familiar. If you need to order any sort of trophy bat, any sort of... They, they can pretty much tailor anything to your specific needs. They'll engrave anything you want on it. And, uh, you know, they can paint it any color you want, too. Or you can just buy game bats. Like, whatever you want. It's really, really cool. Speaking of local business... Yeah, from there,
0: we've been working on our segways on this trip. That's a pretty good one. We go after that. We went to Cape Cod Beer, which they they have a great synergy between them. Barnstable Bat and Cape Cod Beer. I actually got the idea of going to Barstable Bad from Cape Cod Beer because my very first move, I was doing some like Googling for good bachelor party events. They did a you know, and on one of those just crazy like top 10 things you can do for a brewery tour came up as one of them. And I just didn't even read what it said. I was like, we have a brewery here in Barstable. You know, I know they're good people. I know they do good work. They make great beer. I drink it all the time. We should go there and tour it. That'd be like a, that'd be like a really cool thing that we could do. So my first move was to go in there, and when you go in there, there's a bat on the wall that has Barnstable Bats hours of operation on it, because they get a lot of people that out of the tour, a lot of tourists go over there and do both, but I was like, oh, what an idea.
1: And I believe they also make the tap handles. They do they make the
0: tap yeah. handles, they also sell the wiffle ball fish sticks over there as well, which you're not a South Park guy, are you? No. Uh, We'll stay away from the fish sticks joke then. Okay, but the South Park fans in the audience can laugh at it just the same. Sorry. But anyway. Yeah, so they were incredibly accommodating. I was actually a little bit frustrated by just how willing to (laughs) play ball with me they were because I was trying to sequence the day out because you need to not only pick the day and get the people for it, you also need to plan a sequence of events so that you can do all the stuff you want to do. And I wanted to do this Cape Cod beer tour, but they're open from 11 to three on Saturdays. And I I wanted them to be like, oh, well, you know, we have a tour every hour on the hour, and if you're not there, we're not waiting for you. I was expecting something like that, so that I could say, okay, we need to do this at 11, or we need to do it at 12. The tentative plan, though, was to to take their tour off the bat, start the day there at 11 a.m., and then go to Barstool Bat. It ended up not working out, we had to reverse it, ended up working out better because Cape Cod Beer does a a formal guided tour at 11 a.m. every day, which we would highly recommend, of course, if you haven't been on one. But there were a lot of people at that. We're told there were about 40 40? people on that one. So that kind of would have sucked if we had all been on that. But they did a private tour for us that they don't normally do after the fact. Now, just to say what a big deal that is, I went in there to inquire about that when it started to look like we were going to have to do Cape Cod, excuse me, Barstable Bat, first. And I'm thinking, you know, this is going to cost some money, but whatever, I'll pay the dude to do a tour. And I talked to Dave, the retail manager, friend of the show now. And he's like, well, we don't really sell private tours. And I'm thinking that's going to mean they're not going to do one for us. He's like, we usually just give them away as like raffle prizes and, you know, fundraisers because we don't really know how to put a, we don't know what that's worth. We don't know what to put a, if we put a price tag on it, we don't know if people would do it. So he's like, but we, you know, we're quiet enough now, the busiest time of our year's over. You guys can just come in whenever you need to. And he says, we have bachelor parties all the time. We, we have a tour we can do for you. We, we can also give you a tasting and you can take the tour, which are, those are apparently two separate things, but for our purposes, and they don't know me at all. I didn't have any connections there
1: well, that's to me. That was right. the most amazing part of this. Like, I thought that you, you know, called up someplace and you were like, you know, do you know who the hell I am? I'm John Cabral. I host the Friends of the Show podcast. I'm the assistant GM of the Hyannis Harbor Hawks. You ever, you ever wanna make see shit your children happen. again? Yeah. make make some shit happen for me. Like, I thought that that was how this went down. And then when you told me that you just basically called and were a nice guy on the phone and that they were really nice back, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Well, I did.
0: I went in there twice, but then I called to say, hey, you know, 11 a.m. That's not really going to happen. And he's like, no problem, I talked to the guy, Tyler, that's going to be doing your tour, Tyler, friend of the show now, and thank you to him for doing that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Is it and he, a- he actually asked the guy, the retail manager, is it okay if I give them a pint to start off? And he responded, I don't think anyone's ever going to argue with free beer.
1: Turns out we didn't. No, we did absolutely not argue and uh, we ended up having a really nice time there as well, and we were able to learn a little bit about the beers. Now, my cousins, Jonathan and Brendan, who are under the age of 21, they were still able to kind of participate. You know, they're learning about beers themselves, maybe uh, potential experimentation at some point in college, whatever. Oh, maybe you know one day rolls. they'll grow up to have them. Yeah. Maybe, but, you know, this was a good, um, you know, kindergarten lesson for them on, on how beer works and things like that and uh we ended up having a great time my future father-in-law peter stalked the hell up i mean he walked out double-fisted with brawlers yep. so he was ready to go and uh once again we, you and i played a game of cornhole my first time playing cornhole and uh really I, i'm not usually successful in any sort of competition uh we we actually did very well because they have like a
0: whole outside patio picnic type rig I believe they call it a beer garden yes they do and we took full advantage of that, played Cornhole Knives. The one thing that was weird, I came out of that experience feeling like I was the only person in the group that had like any kind of significant cornhole experience. Like it fell on my shoulders to like explain the rules to people. Are, there, are other people not playing this game? Is it really just me? I had never played it before. I'd seen people
1: I, play it. And I played I, it at like didn't backyard really it was barbecues that big deal.
0: and UMass tailgates and stuff like that. I just didn't think it
1: was that uncommon. Yeah, it ended up being kind of uncommon, I guess. I mean, none of us had really played it before, but you but and I, I, we played a hell of a game. We did. I, I was constantly
0: explaining the scoring system to everybody as we were playing. We were playing at 21, and we built a good lead of about 10 points pretty early. But then started letting the opponents back into the game a little bit, which were your brother and your cousin. But then you came up clutch on your third and final throw with a walk-off straight through the hole, three points, ball game, or beanbag game. Scott to dodger chuck around the horn,
1: see you tomorrow night. Exactly.
0: We then also did one of those football jumping body high fives, which I had never really participated in, but it was clear from the start that you wanted that, so I just did it as best I could.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I just think, and maybe it maybe it's not, but I just think that like a, a, a guy of my size doing that looks funny to people. Yeah. So I like to do it. There was a, actually there was a guy who um, used to work with me at Nesson, whose name was Terrence Johnson, friend of the show, I guess. Uh, he was six ten, and we used to do that in like the hallway at Nesson, Like there was this big long corridor hallway, and anytime we'd see each other, you know, no, noon, night, whatever time it was, it just it turned into a full out sprint for the two of us, and we just jump into each other. Um, you know, for what that's worth, that was where I learned to appreciate that particular move.
0: Okay. And we did have, it. we did cause quite a ruckus for the other people that were at the beer garden at that time as well.
1: But they were okay. And you know why they were okay, John? Because they were drinking beer. That's right. Because this wasn't the freaking ballet. This was a beer garden. Yeah. And they, I think they were able to pick up pretty quickly that we were at a bachelor party. And so they knew that, you know, hey, these guys are going to have a little bit of fun, they're going to make a little bit of noise, but, you know, they're not dropping F-bombs and they're not saying racist stuff, so what the hell do we care? And that's pretty much how how it went.
0: Step three was then the Lane's Bowling Alley in Mashpee Commons, which I really can't sing the praises of this place enough. Been there a couple times for different reasons, and every time has just been super... I've actually bowled really well there too, so I have that going for me as well, but it's not your typical bowling alley, at least not for Cape Cod. It's just very cool, full restaurant and bar menu, waitress service to your table is a lot different from my experience growing up, just getting yelled at by the old man that owned the alley if you brought your candy past a certain line, and just a ton of fun. Friend of the show, Tom Guiler comes up huge because I knew Bat Tour was free. Beer tour, private beer tour Somehow free. ends up being free Okay, But I knew that the lanes would not be free And I knew it would be pricey, which it is it, it, It's more its not hugely expensive But you're paying for the lane And the shoe rental, you're paying for the lane by the hour It can rack up there if you've got a bunch of people With feet who wear shoes So I had warned everybody, I was like Be prepared for the bowling part Be prepared, in you know, a worst case scenario To chip in 40 bucks toward bowling Because that stuff can get pricey we get there. We're telling the bowling workers our shoe sizes, getting our names typed into the board. And Tom Gallas says, "You know what? Since this is my last stage of the trip, I think I want to cover this.
1: Bang, paid, done. That's huge. Yeah, that Absolutely was huge. huge. That was huge. And and uh, and my dad, I think I think was, he was just really excited to be a part of, to be invited, and to be included and. And he had a really good time too, because he saw that I was having a really good time, and I know that that was important to him, so I think he definitely felt like it was something he should, should do, and I, I know he had no problem doing it, so it was uh, it was definitely welcome for you guys, because I feel like it, it has opened you up a little bit for, for some stuff later on in the evening where you, know, you were able to pay for, so. Absolutely. Weird. Bowling, I went through like a short
0: bowling phase of about two years when I was in middle school. I bowled on Saturday mornings for two years, but I also used to watch a lot of PBA tour on ABC and ESPN there for a little while. Something that you see if you watch professional bowling, I don't even know if it's on TV anymore. I think it still is. But there are, you basically have your, your power guys and your curve guys. You have your power guys are usually the bigger guys. They throw a, a 16 pound ball that's made out of, I believe, graphite, and they just try to just throw the ball down the lane as far as they can and just murder the pins. Those were my favorite guys. Personally. But then there were these other guys who were usually a little bit smaller who would throw balls that were made out of plastic and they would throw them in such a way that they spun on the lane. They would hook out almost to the gutter and then hook back and they would throw strikes with them all the time. They had to throw them really fast because a lot of times they used lighter balls for the spin. And actually at the pro level it actually mattered. They used to show diagrams of the lanes and how the oil slick was at different parts of the lanes because that can affect how you throw that kind of a ball. But I had not seen... It always made me jealous that I couldn't throw the ball that way. Yeah, me too. I hadn't seen one of those crazy plastic ball spinners
1: since those days until
0: I saw your cousin Brendan... Bust that
1: out. Yeah, he's busted it out, and he I wasn't, believe
0: he wasn't putting his fingers into the ball either. At least not on all the shots. Well,
1: he wasn't consistent with it in that he was. There were some gutter balls in there. Like it wasn't yeah. like he was a guaranteed strike. But that's or anything the, like the
0: that. price of doing business. Right. With this but style. he had
1: the solid-looking curve on it, and you know, I mean, listen to me. The curve versus the power. You know, it's your classic power pitcher versus finesse guy yeah. argument. Yeah. You were clearly the power pitcher. You were doing what I was doing, which was just throwing the ball as hard as you could down the lane, hoping to get a strike. So, I mean, it was okay. We had a good time and uh, most people bowled pretty well, which was good. And just to, to reiterate how awesome this place is, and you've heard me say this before, the reason I like it so much is that it's not, it's so un Cape Cod. Like, I, I grew up thinking that bowling alleys were like supposed to be smelly places where old people went and, you know, and everybody took bowling really seriously and it was this big deal. Do you remember the scoring with a yellow pencil on the overhead projector? uh, Yeah, right. And, like, all that crap that just made it not that fun for me. Although, like you, I did go through kind of a phase where I was, you know, bowling every weekend for a few months in the summertime. And then I I moved, I went off Cape, and I went to some places in New York, and, and these places had, like, bars and waitresses and it was like a whole new world for me and I'd never experienced anything like that and I actually like got to like going to places like that so when I found out that this place was open on the Cape I fell in love with it and that was I think I think that was really like one of the only recommendations I had made you for the bachelor party like early on so I was like if you're looking for something to do on the Cape let's go to this freaking bowling alley because we can crush beers bowl eat a lot of good food and then you know it's, it's no big deal and it worked out and it was great
0: because it was like say no more that's what we're going to do Another big takeaway I had from the bowling experience is we don't get your brother Mike Geiler, friend of the show, out of his Zamboni driving hockey playing bubble very often. Nobody does. Nobody does. So you don't get the Mike Geiler experience all that often, but it's fantastic every time. And among the many things... Unless he hates you. If he hates you, you're screwed. But he always has liked me consistently from the beginning, so I've always had that going for me. What is this movie they're trying to watch on the bus? I'm looking at like it looks like Jesus Christ. It looks like it does. They put a DVD in and they're on the menu screen. They were on the menu screen the whole time. I am so glad I'm not on that bus right now.
1: Yeah, that was weird. Anyway, but yeah, That's the um, my brother like Jesus Christ has a beer. Right. Um, so back to back to my back comes in handy apparently. So he
0: bowls when he bowls like whatever I don't really I didn't really care who had the highest score when we bowled like I'm not one of those guys that like I have to win because we're bowling we're doing 295 oh, That's what I yeah so I'm not like cutthroat when I'm bowling but at the same time I do take it seriously because I want to do as well as I can that's just kind of my wiring Mike Geiler Cared so little about the outcome of his bowling, much it just like the cornhole, not important to him. Yeah, cornhole was the same, same way. That he just did not even like. He let the balls go. That you can actually track the speeds of the rolls <laughs> on this new crazy, newfangled electronic scoring thing that they do on the TVs in front of you, and he was consistently getting like 8s and 9s where I could tell I'm not, I'm not like a bowling expert but I knew enough about it, I'm like if you roll the ball a little bit faster, you'll get a strike with that shot and I, I, I told him that like 10 times, he just didn't care, No, he he, he, care. but he, he couldn't even, he does not have it in him to pretend to care about something like a difference between him and most people, like we can usually... That's not Jesus, by the way. No. That okay. looks
1: more like some sort of uh, self-help uh, video. But you are still on the menu screen. It's, it looks like a... It, it's Jesus, but Jesus doesn't wear um, button-up shirts. Man, And that's man. what that gentleman's wearing, is a button-up shirt.
0: I don't like how see-through these bus windows are either. If I'm on that
1: bus... I do. For uh for our purposes. Yeah. And one time we had a friend of the show, Andrew Offler, moon a car on a bus trip in uh, Barnesville High School. Is that right? It was that? That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So it was. I was
0: just continuously amazed by how like he could not pretend to care about how he bowled. He would just walk up nonchalantly with just this I don't care look on his face, <laughs> this I don't care
1: throwing motion, and then he would just walk back when the shots were over. It cracked me up. Yeah. So that was the lanes. Make sure you visit that if you're ever down the Mashby area. The lanes bowling and Bistro. Mashpee Commons, great spot, especially for the Cape.
0: They probably have a website, too, but they didn't let us bowl for free, so I'm not going to plug that like crazy. <laughs> so then we take the sh- the smaller group, which is you, me, Mike, and Will Busier, who we mentioned, friend of the show, all in my car. We take the white Buick up to... Where does he live? Quincy. Yep. Getting my Boston town's confused. To Quincy, we park on... Dan McArdle Street, friend of the show. He lets us park there. We go in, talk to him for a little while, but you were really, you were really itching to share the Uber Cab experience with those of us who had not yet had a taste. I had heard a little bit, I knew that Uber Cab existed. I've heard you talking about it before, but not until I actually did it did I really understand how cool Uber Cab is.
1: Well, that was my initial experience with it also. I, I have a co-worker who lives in Southie and we had a, a thing that we had to go to. So I swung by his house beforehand. It was a weeknight and he said to me, oh, how are we going to get to... I think actually, actually, it was a Red Sox game. So I went to his house to pregame. We were there drinking some beers. I said, how are we going to get there? And he said, um, oh, well, we can, we can Uber. I got this Uber cab app or whatever. No, I, I had no idea what it meant. Within five minutes, there was an SUV, like a Tahoe black with like a, the suit and tie driver in his driveway picking us up. I had never seen anything like this. Then when he told me there was no cash that changed hands and it was all billed to your debit card so you didn't have to tip the driver you didn't have to like worry about if you had singles or whatever, I was totally sold on it and I continue to be totally sold on it and I try to tell as many people about it as possible. I would be broke if I lived in Boston because I would use it all the time but fortunately I only go to Boston once or twice a month and it's manageable.
0: I don't have to tell people who've been in taxis the number of problems that you have with taxis. Taxis do a great service in that they get you where you need to go. They call, they sh- you call, they show up. But if there's any number of problems that you have with taxis: the overall well-being of the vehicle, the comfort level of the seats, the smell of
1: the vehicle. Smell is a big underrated uh, factor with with, with all um, livery, and the, I've never been in an Uber that doesn't smell good. That Even if it just smells like the driver's cologne, I don't care. At least it smells better than pee. It's
0: amazing the psychological difference in the riding experience when you have, you know, like a, a yellow or a black and yellow checkered cab show up and smell bad and have like weird carpeting on the seats or whatever, and a driver that doesn't talk to you and acts like he hates you versus having, there is just something badass about having an all black vehicle show up to pick you up. There just is. Absolutely. That's why I do it. And the guy, like you said, is in a suit, and the guy wants to talk to you, too, which was
1: incredible. We had a couple of good drivers. The second guy, especially, was very chatty, but it was later in the evening, so, I mean, I understand that, and, uh...
0: Well, the second guy was a little bit like my bus driver in Baltimore selling the water. Okay. He was trying, I
1: don't know if you picked up on his game. Well, he was trying to pick up some more business for himself. He
0: was trying to leverage the Uber cab driving into, like, converting dri- riders right. away from Uber cab into
1: his private He thought that I was service. a resident of Quincy, or, or we were both residents of Quincy that might right. be interested We led in him to believe that
0: because he was taking us to a home residential address in Quincy, so I certainly understand why he thought that. But once he found out that was where we were going, he took it upon himself to tell us a that he lived in Quincy and b that he was changing his car service over to an SUV and that he was more than happy to pick us up anytime we needed, as yep.
1: though he were somehow different to us than any other Uber cab driver. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just I, I'm with you. I played along just because you know he was driving us. He was a nice enough guy, and I will say this also: the Uber cab thing is not cheap when when you are, are dealing with going to the suburbs. Like, Quincy is a right. suburb. And and that was... That's more... Pro- like, usually I'll use it to go a few miles in town, you know, and usually it tops out... The fee tops out anywhere between, like, 20 and $30. So, you know, be careful. Don't take it out to Metro West unless you're willing to pay a lot of money for it. But when you're in town especially, it's definitely worth your while. And uh, that was a good experience. And so I would say that, you know... Overall, the bachelor party was a pretty solid experience. And uh, publicly, I mean, I've said this many times privately, but publicly, thanks a lot, John, because that was pretty kick-ass.
0: Oh, absolutely. It was a, an absolute ton of fun. And we had a great time in Boston as well. It sounds like you don't you want to stop the actual play-by-play sequencing here, which is understandable. But oh, no, we any... can
1: continue. I was actually... Um, okay. I had fast-forwarded because we, were, we ended up talking about the Uber cab ride back to the car, so it's definitely worth bringing up um, real quickly, you know, we can plug, obviously, Cigar Masters, which is I think is just a, they're doing a tremendous service to the community, offering that sort of place, and it's a damn shame that people like the city of Boston are trying to shut them down, uh, because, you know, what the hell ever happened to, like, small businesses and things like that. Agreed. And before that, the first
0: Uber Cap brings us to Solas, mm-hmm. an Irish restaurant at the base of the
1: Lennox Hotel. Great no, bathroom. No weight, amazing bathroom. And it's it's not a it's not a bathroom in the restaurant. You have to use the Lennox Hotel bathroom. But now the Lennox Hotel bathroom is going to be my, my bathroom option for any time I'm on the Boyles Street area, which is huge. To have that go to bathroom where you know that the the accommodations are comfortable, oh my god.
0: We're now entering New Jersey. This the, I like the idea of the car podcast. This is really making the trip go.
1: This is all you and I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've actually brought a separate recording device besides my phone, so that we could use my phone for GPS, and we could use this phone, my old phone, to record the podcast. So far, I think it's working well.
1: I hope so. Are you checking that now? Does even see if it's still recording?
0: No, I'm checking the GPS to make sure it's still GPSing. We have nice. 59 more miles of this before we get into our Tap and Z stuff, so we'll have to end the show before that. So That's fine. To that. But uh, I do have a habit, I did it around the seven minute mark of this show where I, I always worry even though I set it to record that it for some reason will magically stop and so I will turn the phone on and wake the screen up. Now when you use this People at home heard my finger dragging across the screen. The screen, so I can't do that more than once. But I just needed to to ease my own mind to do it once. And I apologize to people who heard that around the seven nineteen mark.
1: Is but it like when you're uh, you it, it, like the, they tell you not to bang on the glass uh, it, in a fish tank? That type of a thing. Yeah. So like everyone at home just <laughs> had like a seizure. Yeah. Every, Sorry. Every single person.
0: So, yeah. So so Garmasters was fantastic. We had to, uh, we, we laid off of the, when I made the call to the Cigar Masters, they, they really put me under a spell when they told me that if you were willing to spend $500 there, you could have this VIP room, which has sounded like the most badass oh, yeah. thing in the entire universe, because you're in a smoking parlor, it's already really cool, you know, leather couches, cigars, you know, waitress service, whole deal. To, to somehow take a step from that, into, into even better for me, I just couldn't. It was just an intoxicating idea that I could not get past. You were never as into it as I was, more, more because you were more realistic about the number of people we would have in the group at that time and the amount of money they would be looking to spend.
1: Well, I'd also been there. I don't, had you ever been to the Boston? I one had before? never been to the Boston. See, I, I went knew... to the
0: Providence one for Will's party. I had seen the VIP area at the Providence yeah. one and I had that in mind. Different, yes. The Providence one was actually really cool. Mm-hmm would have been great to go into. The Boston one was not that great. No, it's
1: tucked in the back, and I had known, because I've, I've been We didn't the, do it, by I've the way. I've been, just... yeah, I've been the guy that's been kicked out of the of the VIP area before. Like, I've gone back there and sat down, and after, like, 20 minutes, one of the girls has come over and said, oh, like, you know, in 10 minutes, we have a group coming in. We're reserving this now. You know, you have to move. And I said to myself, boy, this would be cool to have this VIP area, but it, it you know, during regular hours, it's just no- another area in the club. It's not like there's really, there's really nothing significant about it except you do have, like, your own TV. So basically, you, you would be able to watch whatever you want on TV. But I... I you had mentioned it, and you seemed like you were really excited about it, and I was trying to be like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we need to find five guys that are willing to spend $100. And, like, I don't know... Because, like, my brother... I, I was I, like, what do you know? I'll find ten yeah. people that want to spend $50. I'll show you. That'll yeah. be no problem. And my big thing was, like, well, we're bringing my brother, but, like, my brother doesn't drink and he's not gonna buy like an expensive cigar. So I don't see how my brother could possibly come close to spending a hundred dollars in there. So like, you know, I was trying to like, I guess I was trying to dissuade you from doing it because I just didn't believe it was gonna be as exciting or as worthwhile as you thought it would be. And and I think it ended up working out because we didn't do that. And it didn't dampen our time there at all because we just, you know, we lucked out. We walked in, we bought our cigars. They were cut for us. They started a tab. And as soon as we walked out out of the humidor, A couch opened up, people stood up and left, and we were able to just jump in and snag it. The moment that clinched it for me was I got up to go to the
0: bathroom at Cigar Masters, and while I was waiting for someone to come out of the bathroom, someone from the VIP area came out and stood behind me in line to go to the bathroom. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you have to stand behind me, John Cabral, (laughs) in line, you are not a VIP. Just by definition, you're not. You're not that important if
1: you have to stand behind me and line. Good point on that, because yeah, I mean, they didn't even get their own bathroom. No. So I'm very glad that you guys didn't uh, try to do that. And you know, I really don't think it would have made the experience any more special than it was. So uh, it, I think it worked out for the best. So out of there, we just started walking.
0: I love Boston. I've been to Boston a ton. But as I was saying to you that night when I was younger, I only ever used to really go to games in Boston, and if I did anything else in Boston, it was as a jump off of having been to a Red Sox game, a Celtics game, or occasionally a Bruins game. Now, I'm doing stuff in other parts of the town that I don't really know all that well. So we come out of Cigar Masters, and Will and Pete are seasoned Boston veterans, and they know of all these other places we can potentially go. So we start walking. You hear a lot about how Boston changes when college is in session, when you have all the undergrads there, when you have all the kids in town roaming the streets. I had never really been in the thick of a good weather, while school is in session, weekend night, out in Boston before, like I had never done that before. And we just walked through a solid mile of just college kid zombie town, Going to where we went, it it was it was amazing. It was just absolutely amazing to walk through that. Yeah, and, the best and I don't mean do that it, in a good or bad way.
1: It was just like right.
0: a, a world unto itself for that ten minutes.
1: And I think the best part of it for me was was knowing that Pete and Will would absolutely be able to find because we were walking past places on Boylston Street, you know, McGreevy's, uh, you know, all these other places where. You could see lines were out the door. The girls were dressed to impress, and there was it was a sardine can in there. And knowing that there was no way that they were going to try to get us to go into any of these bars, knowing that if I just followed them, we would eventually find a very adequate, low-key bar that serves beer, which is really all we were looking for, which is a place to go to continue drinking. That was that was not necessarily really noisy. That nobody was trying to be you know anything more than just. A bar serving beer, and of course, because we know we can always count on them, Pete and Will led us to the promised land. place called
0: the Corner something or other, the Corner Tavern, Corner Lounge, Corner... It might
1: have been the Corner Tavern, Corner I, don't Tavern I don't know. Tavern, Corner I'm impressed you remembered, because I don't actually remember, I didn't actually remember the name until you said it. It was
0: underground, which cuts down on a lot of the sardine can situation, when people have to spot a place, walk downstairs to go get into it, that seems to cut mm-hmm. down on things. It was cool in that it was far enough away that we were away from the storm that we were just telling you about a minute ago, but also far enough away that we were close enough to Fenway Park that people who were coming out of that game were walking by the area. So we were in there. It was well after the Red Sox game had ended, but people were still walking away from the ballpark and coming into bars out of the game. So we're there for a little while. Now, at this point, I've, I was really nervous about making sure this all went off. So I was up pretty late the night before, making sure, tri- double, triple checking stuff. And then I was up early the next day in order to get stuff ready, Make sh- you know. So I hadn't slept much the night before. And, you know, the drinking was making me tired. So I was like, if I have one more beer, not that I won't be drunk, but I will fall asleep on the table of this bar. So I made the rather awkward request of our young waitress that she bring me coffee at eleven o'clock at night when everyone else was drinking. It was a little weird, but she did it. Yeah, whatever. It wasn't that big a deal. I mean I, I staged a major rally. I mean I was I don't know if you could tell. Yeah. I was dragging.
1: Dragging as we got in it. What? Two teeny well it cups didn't help that we coffin. walked a mile too. I mean that, yeah, that, that was kinda probably like the not. nail in your coffin was you, you were tired enough. We had been sitting it on our asses in, in the bar when we first got it. Yes. But we had been you know, we had been sitting on our asses in the on these leather couches drinking and smoking cigars. We then got up and walked a mile. <laughs> You were, you, know, like you were out of it. like that right. was I don't think you were ready for that walk. I don't think any of us were, really. And then we ended up walking a whole mile, but we ended up going into a good place, which so it totally paid off, and then, uh, yeah, you rallied up. You had so we the we've
0: told you all this other stuff, but we are, we're mainly only telling you the other stuff because we're on this long road trip, and we have this time to spend. The story of Ryan Geiler's bachelor party, as it will endure, 10 15, 20, hopefully 30, 40, and 50 years from now. Yes. Begins and ends
1: with Denise from Vancouver, friend of the show. She is now absolutely a friend of the show. Denise was an enthusiastic young woman from the Vancouver area, as John said. And she had come in very obviously with a group of people who had just come from the Red Sox game. So by looking at Denise, you would have thought that she was just your typical, you know, Boston college student. Not Boston college, but Boston University slash college slash any school kid in Boston, right? And you really wouldn't have thought much of her. It became very evident when she approached our table that this was not the case. She specifically walked in the bar looking for someone in Bruins gear to try to mess with. So, fortunately for us, my younger brother Michael always wears Bruins shit. If you see my brother without a Bruins shirt on, you should be confused. It's probably dead. Right. Even then, like I don't if my brother died, I don't think we'd bury him in a suit. I'm pretty sure we'd put a Bruins shirt on. him. Um, you know, he he was wearing his Bruins outfit and so she immediately came over to our table and John you can I think you remember this with a little more clarity than maybe it was the coffee. Although you do have a better memory than me yeah. anyway. She she did not introduce herself in any way.
0: <laughs> she just started making declarative statements about how she had a bucket list. And this, we were going to participate in a bucket list
1: item for her. Now, you could imagine what we would think. You can take that any number of different places. If yeah. a girl comes up to a group of guys and says, Oh my God, I have this bucket list thing and you guys Especially are Especially like, on
0: a bachelor party. She doesn't right. know we're a bachelor party, but we know we're well,
1: a Well, I thought she party. might have been a plant. I mean, right. for all I knew, you could have hired yeah, this girl. Or maybe good. she does something with she like a ping pong ball. ball that that I something chance know. Know. yeah.
0: So she says, it's on my bucket list, I've always wanted to do this, she just, I forget her exact wording, but she just basically wanted to start shit with a Bruins fan in Boston and throw down. Now, I could understand that if you were a fan of the Canadiens, the Flyers, even the Rangers, or teams that have had back and forth rivalry with the Bruins for a long time. I can totally get that because you can go back and forth in that argument. If you're from Vancouver, who's only ever shown up on the Boston radar to play an utterly embarrassing seven-game series in which you probably should have lost all seven games, Mm -hmm. you're not going to win that argument. And you're not going to go particularly far in it. But that did not stop her from backpedaling off of the Bruins-Canucks thing and quickly shifting over to an argument she started with you that you handled admirably. This idea that a lot of Canadian folk have that American hockey teams, in our case the Bruins, can only win when they
1: have Canadian players. Well, first of all, that is true. There has never been, uh, I I guarantee you, I mean I've never researched it, but there has never been a Stanley Cup team from America that has won a Stanley Cup without Canadian-born players there. But, see, my argument was, I started off saying to her, I, I feel bad for you because your team is a disaster, and your team is a disaster because your captain and his twin brother are Eurotrash, soft pieces of crap. And that, you know, that sort of thing flies really well over in the Swedish League. You know, you go over to the Swedish League and you're doing the, you know, the dipsy dude do and you're doing these passes between your legs and shit, and nobody's, and nobody's laying you out, you do very well, you're very successful. And... The North American game, as I made sure to put it, the North American game is not conducive to that. The North American game lends itself to hard hitting, checking, uh, you know, having to take a hit to move the puck and that sort of thing. And so I basically was explaining to her, like, listen, you you know, you don't win because you didn't win that series because the Bruins came out and beat the crap out of you. You know, your goalie was a puddle in, in his games in Boston, but he played well at home and, you know, you guys, you just weren't good enough and, and this is why. So I explained that to her. And then she got very upset because she realized that, like, well, hey, you know, the Bruins are loaded with Canadian players. And she, so she kept trying to get me to admit that the Bruins won because of Canadian players. I kept explaining to her it was a North American philosophy, a North American style of play. She was, she was livid that I kept referring to it as North America, North America instead of Canada and America. So she got really upset, and I, just, I wasn't giving in on that, and I continued to not get in on that. You know, if, you, if your team is, is, and I don't know a tremendous amount about hockey, but if your team is run by guys from Europe who, who are all about flash and that sort of thing, and they're not willing to get, you know, get dirty to, to move the puck, then you're not going to win.
0: She was clearly not going to claim any sort of moral or otherwise argument victory with you on that. So she again spun out and turned all attention to probably the real reason she was there in the first place, that being your
1: brother Mike. Yes, my brother Michael, and it, you know everyone will, who's, who knows him. Even the people who hate him will probably admit this. My brother Michael has this thing about him that, that instantly, like he he instantly becomes attractive to girls. And I'm not sure if it's the bald head, the beard, uh, or just his general lack of caring about anything. I'm pretty well, it sure might it's the be last. That
0: same component I'm talking about with bowling. Right. I mean, it's in a more humorous instance there, but it's always there.
1: It's yeah. always... That. And, that and that's... And my brother really has perfected that whole I don't give a crap mentality, and I think he kind of... But it's not an act.
0: No, 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 they're no, because there's a lot of guys, you see them when yes. you go out to anywhere, that act like they're that guy. And they just
1: aren't. Right, and Mike Geiler is that guy. But he is. And so she, like you said, she bounces off this whole Vancouver argument and goes right into talking to my brother, and without... Without saying The impressive it, thing, your brother,
0: rabid Bruins fan,
1: you would think that he would jump to get into an argument like that. Yeah. Didn't care. No, he didn't, didn't care. Didn't engage it. Didn't Once again, didn't a perfect it. example of a guy who, if he was trying to pretend like he didn't care, would have taken the bait on that right. and would have engaged her. My brother didn't care and so he didn't say anything to her about hockey. He just sat there and listened to me, you know, bitch to her about Euro-trashing, which I, I know that's really not a, a nice term, uh, but I'm not going to apologize for using it. Oh, you So sure. um, you know, so screw that. But my brother just played that I don't care card, but without without actually saying it, she basically confirmed to our entire table that she would hook up with my brother, and if her husband wasn't in the bar currently, which he was,
0: we probably should have pointed that out right by now. Yeah, we
1: probably well, but we haven't gotten anything that, that that sounds really risky. She basically said that if that if her husband wasn't in the bar, that she probably would have gone home with my brother, which like. Which blew me away because I can understand a girl saying that, you know, if she's out with her girlfriends or something and she's by herself, but, like, with her husband in the in the room and you, and you basically say, like, it, I mean, was she trying to challenge my brother to, like, take her out of there? I think so, and also, once the rest again, of us, not fighting.
0: The rest of us in the group did not receive positive feedback. She was disappointed in us for not having thick
1: Boston accents and also having straight teeth. Which I, I didn't understand that either because I I didn't know and, and please if there's any listeners out there who aren't from New England are Boston people like known to, to have bad teeth is it, like I thought that was an England thing I not guess New if England you thing.
0: live far enough away you don't make much of a distinction between England and New England I mean Vancouver, and Vancouver is far Vancouver away. Vancouver couldn't be further really away, far away.
1: really I mean but yeah I mean. I didn't get that either because she was like, "Oh, you you know, you, you're all pissing me off because you don't say wicked smart and you don't say you don't say queer and you don't have you don't have you know crooked teeth." And we were we were like, "What? What are you talking about?" She kept asking us to say stuff, and I I explained to her,
0: "Look, we can say, you know, wicked or ka or any of the number of things you're asking us to say. We can do, but we don't we don't do.
1: We can, but we don't." But anyway. I, don't, I don't know what the novelty was but and then it got weirder because then we were on our way out of there and she introduced me to her husband as the guy who was getting married and he all oh, congratulate and, and I will say friend of the show Denise she bought us some shots before she left that's true she bought us some shots of tequila it was, that was very nice of her and according to her it was a top shelf tequila whatever um you know, so that was nice of her, and then we were on our way out, and she introduced me to her husband as the guy who was getting married, he congratulated me, he also thanked us for being good sports about it, and not, you know, taking his wife out in the alley and beating the shit out of her, and then she kissed me in front of her husband, you know, not like, she kissed me on the cheek, but it was like she, like, made sure to linger there for a while, and then something happened that continues to blow my mind. And John, you witnessed this more than I did. I, I kind of heard it. I only half heard it. it, it, it for a degree, it made sense
0: because we somewhere in there we revealed to her that we were a bachelor party and she had knowledge that you were the one getting married. So if you're this, if you're just this crazy girl in Boston and you're doing bucket list stuff, I, I can get why you would give kisses to the guy getting married. Like that, Yeah. While, while I didn't expect her to do that, it didn't surprise me and I didn't think it to be that much out of line.
1: Yeah, and it was only on the cheek, so it wasn't like terrible. It wasn't so, like, you know, gr- gruesome. But, but then that little, that little pleasantry is
0: exchanged. We're ready to leave. Pete and Will have a bus that they're catching in like five minutes. We're making our push for the exit. And then it was, it was just like time slowed down to half frames. More on that later, by the way. But time slows down as I just watch her just attack your brother. And just, I I don't remember the exact particulars, but I think she had grabbed his head with both hands. I think. And just, I just saw kisses happening beard, side of the face. I think there was one or two neck ones in there too. All in front of her husband. And she referred, while speaking to her husband, referred to your brother as my Boston Trist (laughs) on more than one occasion. I think it was two. Really astonishing. And I just still
1: remain awed by the whole thing, and that's awed awed. Yeah, that was that was a really appropriate ending to And That was where that the night ended. Finish.
0: It really was.
1: That was where the night ended, and we, we all went our separate ways after that. And uh, like I said before, you know, I really can't thank you enough, Will enough, Pete M, my brother, my cousins. You know, we're, gonna, we're just gonna go right down the line here. My dad, my future father-in-law. You know, uh, Patrick O'Rourke, who's who's a friend of the show. He's uh, my future sister-in-law's boyfriend. Just, it was a real solid showing that we had um, from everybody that, that was able to come out. And uh, and then, you know, as if that couldn't have gotten any better, then the, this following weekend, we followed up with a trip to uh, to Baltimore in the, the Maryland area. Now,
0: arguably, the most important item of business. We do the whole Oriole Park thing Friday night. Saturday was great, and, and we... We as adults, we fail to do stuff like this more. We had a day where we we just got together in one place, slept in Not Crazy in. everybody was up by, I think I was the latest one at 10 o'clock, most Mm -hmm. people were up in the 9 o'clock hour. Just stayed in the house, cooked out breakfast for everyone. Holly and Brian made us a king's feast, it was fantastic and then just stayed around the house. The Iowa game, Brian's an Iowa guy, was on at 3.30, so I wanted to watch that with him, but it wasn't that big of a deal. It didn't dictate our day. And we just spent the day throwing the baseball around, throwing the football around, talking, catching up, not being under the gun for timing wise. We weren't making phone calls to people, we weren't texting people, we were just enjoying the company of the people we had there. And it really is a shame that we had to travel in from as far as we did to make that. That's something we, we should, as people, do more. And we just, with, with the smartphones,
1: etc., we just don't do it enough. And well, my favorite part of it was... Um, we, w- we had originally talked about going to some sort of Oktoberfest in the area, and I was originally really excited about it, and... I was like, well, you know, we can do that and it'll be fun because, you know, who, who doesn't like to go drink beer and you're with friends and, you know, no big deal. That, when I later found out that we, like, weren't going to do that and that our other option was just to hang around the house all day with, like, Holly and Brian and Liz and friend of the show and huge, huge um, clutch performer this weekend out of Jerzyk, I got, like, I got, like, giddy when I realized that, like, we just, we're, we just weren't going to do anything. We were just going to hang around the house. We are going to watch some football. We are going to throw a baseball around. You know, I mean, the, to, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't bring some cigars because I feel like that yep. probably would have been a smart yep. move. Uh, so I kind of dropped the ball on that one. But really, it ended up being just a perfect day. And like you said, you know, you get so caught up in trying to plan shit and make everything perfect and time everything out. And today just was like a classic old-fashioned example of like, Hey man, just get like some people who are cool around together. Get some good food, and like I said, can't you know can't thank Brian Hall know, for their hospitality and you know the, the the King's Feast at breakfast, like you mentioned, and then had a nice uh, showing by the Grill Master Brian Feltis himself, uh, you know, for lunch slash dinner. So uh, this today was really awesome. This was like one of my favorite days I've had in a long time, along with last Saturday. I mean, I don't know how we can top these two back to back Saturdays, but I have a feeling that two weeks from today is going to probably, uh, you know, be right up there as well, so uh, just, I am, I am, like, beyond excited about, like, what, what's going on in my life right now, and I just wanted to make sure that I say, you know, not to get, like, crazy, stupid, sappy or whatever on the podcast, you know, this probably isn't what you guys listen to, you know, you want to hear, like, Bobby B resets and fart chokes or whatever, but this, these last couple weeks and then, like, you know, two weeks from now, it's, it's really making me realize that, the only thing that you need is friends and family. It's like, I swear to God, like, I don't need anything else. I'm so happy, I'm so content with, with all the support that I've gotten from people over the last basically year of my life, and like, that's what you need, man, that's all you need, and, and I really could not be more excited and, and, and grateful to the people who are in my life, who make my life worth living, and go out of their way to, uh, to let me, you know, be the absurd, absurd person that I am. So, thanks for that.
0: I wish there were more people in the car, because I feel like a slow clap is the only appropriate response to
1: what you just said. (laughs) Well, like I said, it isn't the same without a lot of people to join in. I didn't want to get too sappy about it, but I really, like, you know, last night I went to bed, and I was like, I couldn't wait to get to bed, because I couldn't wait to just wake up. I was like, I can't wait to just wake up tomorrow and do nothing but sit around the house. And, and, And their house is perfect for that. I mean, they live in this in this log cabin out in the middle of nowhere in Maryland, and they live on eight acres of land. There's no neighbors around. There's no you know. There's no traffic out in front of the house. You don't have to worry about any distractions. So it was like it really lent itself to that sort of you know day that we were able to have. But it was so awesome, and and it really you know as we're driving back here now, it was like such a great weekend. So thanks again.
0: We set the scene of their home a little bit, but we should set it a little more. Log, literal log cabin in literal cornfields in literal woods. Like a lot of times those of us who live in the northeast corridor when we say like out in the boonies, out in the woods we mean like not the busiest part of town. <laughs> like Marston's Mills But Mall's we market. still mean that in context Right. Like where you grew up Marston's Mills is, is nothing compared yeah. to where they are now. I mean in actual woods on acreage of farm deer running around, like, if we see a deer in Barstable, it's like, holy crap, like, somebody needs to call the cops.
1: I saw no less than 20 deer in the last 24 hours.
0: And they didn't, Holly and Brian didn't care, like, oh yeah, those are those, yeah, they're out here all the time, We, you know, we wave to them when we drive by, are like, what? Just a whole different outlook, so they do, Brian has, you know, like, hunting equipment for that area, and he's, he also has a flat roof where he can shoot a bow and arrow, and he practices on the mannequin deer, which a lot of archers like to do, as you later showed me with Stone Cold Steve Austin, a video I can't believe I had never seen. But everyone needs to see it. How can they find it? Tell everyone. You have to YouTube Stone... When, when I put this up on friendsoftheshow.com, I will yeah, accompany you know what? Do it that. with this do video that. that we're discussing.
1: So I was so giddy about doing this archery thing, that I said I said to John like hey I have to show you this video of Stone Cold Steve Austin doing like a th- you know this they used to do they did this thing where they went to his house he was on some sort of fake suspension to, to rehab from a neck injury and they you know they they videoed him and he was shooting a target fake deer and he put put pictures on it but it was it was one of the funniest Things that, that Stone Cold had ever done. So you'll enjoy it. You'll, you know, hopefully you'll watch it and uh, you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Because I felt it was only appropriate to show that before we went up and attempted to do this archery thing with Brian.
0: The theme of this archery thing was things that were funnier than you thought they could possibly be. You mentioned this Austin video, but I'm always a little reticent about wrestling stuff that happened before I started watching it because I feel like I'm just not in on the joke. I didn't know the people involved. I wasn't there. I didn't watch it when it happened. Stuff during the era that I watched. I love all that stuff. But I was just kind of like a little concerned about this pre-me watching it video. Like I just didn't see any way it could be as well to me and I was really building as it. Up. it was to you. And, and that you was, was the other thing. The I was like this is, is the
1: funniest video ever. Oh you're gonna love it you're gonna love it. And I said it a million times like I always do. And so you were pro- I can imagine you just being like, all right, there's no way this video is going to be funny. He's probably just going to suck,
0: whatever. You start playing this video on your phone after we went on this pickup truck drive of their whole, like, complex that they live on, which was incredible. And I'm like, all right, I'll hold this so Brian can see it. Yeah, you know, this is about Brian Vine, I'll enjoy this. It ended up being an absolutely hilarious video which features Steve Austin firing a bow and arrow and hitting pictures of WWF luminaries Vince McMahon Gorilla Monsoon, after whom the gorilla position right behind the stage is named, I feel like I should point out, and Vince McMahon. And Owen Hart. Right, and Owen Hart, the late Owen Hart. So we were trying to do the exact same thing, target practice on the mannequin deer. We didn't have WWF celebrity headshots to shoot at. I probably, If I had known about this video, I would have arranged for that. (laughs) But we didn't do that. We went for like a tutorial with Brian Feltis. I, despite being as huge as I am, do not have any upper body strength to speak of, and I learned that the hard way today when I was unable to create 65 pounds of force to string this particular bow, so I didn't do any firing. You figured out a way mimicking Fernando Rodney of the Tampa Bay Rays, <laughs> where you could reach up at the skies and just channel great force to bring it back. So you start firing actual arrows later in the afternoon.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's worth noting that you and I both struggled to start. I could only pull it straight back if I if I use my fingers. They've developed technology now where you no longer have to use your fingers to pull the bow back because it was creating a lot of I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it was callousing people's hands when they were when they were doing this all the time on a consistent basis. So they've now created this this technology where you can just kinda clip it to something that has a trigger and then flick the trigger. Unfortunately, I mucked that process up and got, got a very significant bruise on my forearm as a result of it. And so after that I just decided I'm not going to try to use this contraption anymore, I'm just going to have to go old school here and use my fingers and and figure it out. So we stopped after that, we said, you know what, screw this, this isn't working. Then we went downstairs, hours later after I'd had two glasses of wine and a couple beers in me, I was like, you know what, I'm going to regret not trying this again. If I leave here and I didn't try to fire that bow and arrow again, especially after getting loose and having a couple drinks i'm just not going to forgive myself so we brian and i went back up and tried it again and we had uh, very little but some success
0: the video i am hoping to get to also post on friendsoftheshow.com if you haven't seen it something's wrong with you it should be making the rounds on facebook it should be on fire by the time any any time anyone hears this podcast they should have seen this video already but the key the linchpin to this whole thing Adam Jerzyk coming up huge. He, As you know, you've known this his whole life, he is an early adopter with technology. He spends an extraordinary amount of money to have something before you have it. And so he has one of these brand new iPhone 5S's that has hit the market within the last two weeks. And it, among the new wrinkles they've put into this new phone is you can shoot video in 1080 high def, in slow motion as you're shooting it, and so he shot slow motion video of your one successful hit yep. on the on the deer, and the slow motion effect, it was a great video by itself, but the slow motion effect, particularly what the slow motion effect did to the sound, just made it just an amazing day because it it took on levels like it was it was hilarious when it happened if you were there and experienced it live as i did and we celebrated that you hit the deer your reaction was funny having video of it to watch made it funnier but i was the first to see it and this was kind of the reverse of you and me with the austin video he shows me the video local i'm the only one seeing it he shows it to me on his phone and I see your reaction you turn right to the camera and your mouth just falls and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life makes the entire trip worth it in the span of two seconds and I just lose it on the deck you're still standing on the roof and you begin immediate disbelief that there's no way it
1: can be as funny as I've just acted then he shows it to Holly same reaction then he shows it to Liz same reaction and now I'm like okay We might have something
0: here. But I step in, and I'm like, we can't, because we had, earlier in the day, trying to get the Iowa game, we were worried we weren't going to be able to see it on TV, so we found a way that we could watch it on the computer and rig up an HDMI cable from Brian's laptop to the TV to watch that. So I know we have that capability now, and I I stop, and I'm like, we can't show this to Brian until we can (laughs) get it on this big-ass TV in HD. This needs to be seen, When a lot of times when people say, they use it as a cliche, you know, I saw X, Y, or Z in all its glory. I meant this very literally. This video needed to be seen for the first time by you in all its glory, blown
1: up on the
0: HDTV. We made that happen, you got to see it.
1: I got to see it and I was actually, I laughed, I laughed about as hard as you guys did. I, I thought it was a really funny video and I appreciated Adam Jerzyk being smart enough to videotape. Now, he had to videotape about 500 misses before he got that reaction shot. What's, what's the saying in television? Every minute of television is an hour of shooting. Right, right. So it was I mean, It, it wasn't was not of like that. It wasn't quite that bad. I but mean, it was I, only 39 seconds of video. So right. And I mean, I hit, hit probably... We went up there, and I would say I hit my target probably within the first 10 shots I took. But... Then after that, I continued shooting, and he continued shooting his video. And I missed probably about twenty to thirty. I mean, it was it was terrible. But I give him credit because he was he stuck through it. He could have easily said, you know what? After like the seventh or eighth miss, he could have said, you know what? Like screw this. I'm not going to shoot this anymore. He's wasting my time. He's never going to hit it. And he could have put it away, and nobody would have faulted him. And instead, he kept the camera on and uh, worked out.
0: So that was really critical. We watched the video probably about five times off the bat, then started spreading it on Facebook as much as we could, and we came back and watched it later. We were getting ready to leave, wanted to, well this was tough because I need to be back on Cape for Sunday morning, but I don't actually want to leave. You didn't want to leave, and nobody wanted us to leave. Right, and so, I sure
1: as hell wasn't going to say anything about leaving. Right. I just decided I was going to like wait it out and see and wait how long I, I could go before you were like, hey, so when are we going to leave? Right. So I watched the whole Iowa game, and I just kind of
0: reminded you of the fact that we needed to leave. Check. And then... <laughs> Sorry. And then just kind just of, you know, traffic. we kind of eased each other into the idea of leaving. We leave at 7.30, but a, a quick consensus was struck in the room that we could not leave. Without <laughs> we couldn't just leave with this laptop and cable still plugged in with the video on the computer and not watch it again. And we spent probably another 15 minutes just sitting down laughing our asses off at this video before we left.
1: So I guess I should revise my earlier statement when I said all you need is family and friends. What I really should have and said is all you need 5S. is family, friends, and an iPhone is with the uh, 5S with the uh, slow-mo video. Sorry revised I made the statement that
0: it's probably the best use of the 5s technology yet I mean maybe somebody will do something that saves a life or stops a Boston marathon bombing using that slow motion effect but until that happens
1: you got it you got it yeah that was pretty awesome so thanks everybody who participated in that and who was spreading it on on Facebook and uh, and
0: whatever. So we're going to get down to business as far as this Tappan Zee Bridge stuff is concerned
1: here pretty soon. But other major takeaways from this amazing eight-day roller coaster ride—you uh, know—just real quickly, the, and I was having a conversation with this last night uh, with a guy at Camden Yards who was also a Red Sox fan, just about how—and I'm sure if you went back to some of these past podcasts that we've done, I you hear me heard me say this. I really had given up on this Red Sox team. I really said it was going to take them years to get me back, to get me hooked again. Um, I was just so disgusted with the ownership and the way they handled themselves. And I really feel like Ben Charrington deserves about 90% of the credit for this because he's really been able to make that huge trade as well as bring in some really good character guys. And. They have fully gotten me back. It, it happened in, in sometime in August. You know the Bruins were, were had that really incredible run for a while, and, uh, and that was really a good distraction for me that, that I didn't have to deal with watching the Red Sox. And you know in July I kind of started to watch them, and I said, yeah, they're good, but I still don't buy the fact that this roster can get it done. They're just not as good on paper as they're as they're they're showing right now. And. Man, they, they sucked me right back in, and I can't get give them enough credit, and I'm really excited for this playoff run. I hope it's deep. Well, I feel like I need to apologize
0: to Shane Victorino again. <laughs> I did it last time, but I feel like I need to do it again, because the Red Sox clinched the division last Friday night, and they win the division, but I've always felt, because you'll remember the swoon they went into in 2007. They had a great year, raced out to the best record in baseball, but had a lot of trouble, because Terry Francona's primary goal was to get the team healthy going into October, and so he had to sit a lot of players for a lot of games and innings, and they lost a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have lost along the way. Of course, all works out in the end. They won the division. They got the home field advantage. They win the World Series. No one cares anymore. But I feel like as far as if your goal is to have a 100-win season, which is something I've just always wanted as a fan because it's never happened, even in the two Red Sox World Series years, they won, I believe, 96 and 98
1: games. hasn't happened since 1946
0: for the Red Sox. Right, exactly. So it's something that I wanted very much as a fan. Is it that important? Not really. 100-win teams come and go. A lot of times they don't win the World Series, so it's maybe not. 2001 none.
1: Mariners. Right,
0: exactly. Oh, jeez, 116, 116 I wins. I mean, for crying out loud, and then didn't even make the World Series, it's let terrible. everyone win it. But it's something I wanted. But if, if that's your goal, to win 100 games, I feel like the worst thing you can do is clinch your division early. Because that it just takes the urgency away, mm-hmm. and other things become priorities. Getting a rotation set, getting people healthy, getting people rest. And the Red Sox did start to fall off the table a little bit, so I, I just kind of started rolling my eyes because I lived through this in 07. The Red Sox very nearly gagged up the division to the Yankees that year. A lot of people have forgotten that, but they almost did. And I just felt that the, a miniature version of this was going to happen because the Oakland A's in a more competitive division have been on fire. And I'm like, this is it. They're going to come up from the rear, and they're going to take home field advantage away yeah. from the Red Sox, which probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal if it had happened. But it, when you have as good a year as the Red Sox have had, you, you want that. You want to finish with the best record. You want to have the home field advantage.
1: More importantly, you want to face that wild card winner in the first round instead of the Absolutely. Detroit Tigers. Absolutely.
0: With Justin Verlander in a five-game series. So the Red Sox lose the first of two games in Colorado, and I'm like, here we go this is just what's going to keep happening. Second game of the series, they get out to an early lead. Jake Peavy runs into a wall in the fourth inning, starts walking people, puts base runners on, allows the Rockies to come back and tie the game, and then Shane Victorino does his thing. Were you watching this game when it happened? All right, so bases loaded, fourth inning, bottom of the fourth. This is Todd Hilton's final game. He's playing out of his mind. He's already hit a home run and an RBI double at this point. His final game in Colorado, I should say. Somebody, I forget the batter, charges one with the bases loaded and two out, and you know bases loaded, two out, anything hit to a gap, whether it's a single or a all double, three three, all three runs are going to score. So this ball goes to the right center field gap. If this happens, I mean, the, the domino effect could be huge because the Rockies are going to score three more runs. PV maybe doesn't live that inning down. If so, it doesn't go longer than the fifth, so you're going to have to get into the bullpen. This game you can probably wave goodbye to because you're going to have AAA pitchers pitching the rest of it if PV can't make it through the fifth. And it's just going to be a disaster. It's going to be a two game sweep there. Then they're coming to Baltimore. And the A's have won a couple games in a row. Victorino gets on his horse, makes the running catch in the gap, saves three runs there. Tie game, top of the fifth, hits a three run homer. So he himself is responsible for a six run swing in this game in one inning's time. Is he Nobody does that. From the right Nobody side? does that. I believe so. I'm pretty sure he hit Love the run so Shane Victorino again, I'm sorry, I apologized last time, but you're even better than I thought you were two weeks ago. How about the Barstable Red Raiders? Oh my god By the way. Again, that's my maybe I have to maybe I just have to apologize to
1: people every week. Barnstable well, Red Raiders, I'm sorry. Well worst, I'm sorry. Probably the worst part about this weekend, John, has been the fact that you you had to miss that game and I apologize. But it was worth it, it really truly well, was. Yeah. But that's a different discussion that we don't have to have on the podcast.
0: I went to the week one game against D.Y. High School, I sat through a 37-9 to 9 debacle. The, the It's weird. We didn't play D.Y. when we were in high school because D.Y. was in total ruin as a program. They, I think they had a year where they played no varsity games and then they eased their way back. They played a full JV schedule for a year. Then they, I believe they played three varsity games the following year, and then Paul Funk, who is the head coach there next year, I remember being pissed about this at the time, our senior year where we won the Old Colony League, Spanky Dimash, friend of the show, had to share Coach of the Year in the Cape Cod oh. Times with Paul Funk because Paul Funk had managed to get that program back to 500. He went 5-5, five and five, but that's how far he took that yeah. program, But bringing it back to mere respectability was, at least in the eyes of the Cape Cod Times, an equal achievement with what we did, which I still don't agree with, but I understand why they did it. Yeah. But since then, since DY's gotten back on its feet and since Barnstable had come down a couple of steps, they were on the same level again. And they've started scheduling each other now for, I believe, six or seven years. In our old age, this has turned into a huge rivalry. Barnstable was a team that was expected to go far two years ago, and they lost a shootout game at D.Y. D.Y. goes on to win its Super Bowl undefeated season, and they'll all look back on the Barstable win as being like, the game that, you know, that got them going. Yep. So Barstable was embarrassed by that egg on the face, because D.Y. plays in a lower division. Barstable, in its big year, drops, I believe, 55-0 on them the following year, Barnstable Barstable is an amazing game. But, the thing is, when you beat them down that badly, a lot of times, especially if you have a senior-laden team like Barnstable did last year, you get what's coming to you the following year. And that was what happened. Barnstable didn't have its normal quarterback, Christian Lukashensky, friend of the show, for that game. So they went to this weird hybrid running offense with Hayden Murphy, friend of the show, taking all the snaps, which he's supposed to be the running back. It didn't work. It was ugly. It was gruesome. But I apologize that I did not. I'm smarter than this. I said, oh, well, you can, you know, too many seniors, it's not the Super Bowl team anymore. I believe he texted
1: me, we are not in Kansas anymore. Right,
0: exactly. When, I, when you told me Exactly. Cool. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I should have been able to look at it rationally and say, hey, they played against a good team. They didn't have their quarterback. That was the problem here. I didn't think that. I just thought, you know, buckle up, everybody. We're in for a bad year. They come back, they go to
1: BC High and beat BC High on the road last Friday. Probably for the first time since, what, the Super Bowl in... Uh, 99. 99, yeah. So
0: they win that game 20-13, to 13, scoring late in the game to win it. That's another thing about great teams is they can pull competitive games out late, which before last year, that had been their Achilles heel, was they were a competitive team for a couple of years, but they couldn't... When it counted, when the chips were down, they didn't come away with enough wins. So they do that. Zaverian this year, where Pete M. in Brookline, now Pete M. Watertown, went to high school, number one in the state now. Zaverian's a program that in the 90s had been like the Hallmark program in Massachusetts. Sent some big-time college players, including Matt Hasselbeck, who ended up starting a Super Bowl for the Seattle Seahawks, through that program. They're now, like, back. They've kind of taken it away from... Catholic Memorial, BC High and St. John's Prep Danvers as like the Catholic Conference school, that's like the school so they came into this week they had just taken the number one ranking away from Bridgewater Raynham and they were coming to Barstable and a lot of people were expecting a beatdown in that game final score, Barstable 15 14. 14, second year in a row that Barstable has taken down a number one ranked opponent wow Winning on a last-second field goal by Derek Pacheco, who was the guy who was known for missing the decisive extra points in the Super Bowl, bouncing back to knock off the number one team with a 32-yard field goal. I mean, that's not like, a chip. Not, you know, not in high
1: school. Not, not in high school. school so. Huge. Just absolutely huge. I give them a lot of credit, and I really think that, you know, I, I, I very... I, I knew friend of the show, Chris Woodin for a very short time. Yeah. Well, when I was subbing at Parstable High School before I got a real job. And very much like the guy at the time. He was put in a tough situation having to take over for a coach who had been fired very publicly. Right. Uh, There's a lot of bad blood, I think. And, you know, I, I really can't say enough about the job that I perceive him to have done. I mean, I'm not there. I'm not around the team. But it really seems like the kids love him. And uh, he's really done a lot with, with what he has. And, man, I mean, they're, they're now, what, two and one?
0: They're two and one, and a big time two and one. Right. I mean, know that you're not you. beating the school for the blind.
1: Nobody has two bigger wins, than, no. you know, this season than Barnstable High does in the state. So, very exciting times, and uh, we'll see what, what, what's able to happen. We had a lot of fun at that Super Bowl last year, John, and it's really too bad that they lost. It'd be really incredible if they could get back there. It would be amazing if they could make it back, and we
0: wish all that well. And it seems like
1: Derek is improving. Derek, let's let's mention it too. Derek is not a kicker. Derek was a lineman. No, and that life like kicking forced. life was thrust upon him. Who was forced to kick because of an injury. And so there was really nobody with a brain who had any sort of ill will towards Derek and the job that he did in the Super Bowl because that's not his job. He was just the guy who happened to be kicking the best in practice after somebody got injured.
0: And good luck to probably closest friend of the show on that team right now, Bill Grimmer, as a senior. We saw that kid when he was like seven, eight years old. Yeah. Is now just a hulking beast. Crushing guys every week
1: good luck to him and the squad and whoever I've said it before and I'll say it again whoever runs that stable Twitter account totally clutch
0: now there was a little controversy there because it's changed hands
1: whoa whoa, the people
0: who ran it last year graduated they handed it down to upcoming seniors and until this past week the, there was some noise on Twitter this past week that these kids that are now college freshmen are not happy with the output that the Stable account had put out. And they were threatening to take it away, but I think they've stepped it up now. To well, the they shouldn't they
1: be... Ha- I, now, I will notice... I, that bull. I will say that I haven't noticed anything this year that has made me get excited about it. So, yes, I mean, I'm still congratulating the people who were responsible for it last year because, like, you know, I haven't really seen anything this year that's made me go, oh, haha, ha that's funny, they're funny, you know. But I still think the people who, who used to do it did a tremendous job, so that they're the ones who I'm really giving props to. Uh, because, And hopefully it'll find its way into somebody's hands, because I don't know who it was last year that was doing it, but it was hilarious.
0: That probably seems like roughly as good a place as any. This is dragged on. For a podcast listening, this is going to be on the long side. Oh, yeah, Shelby. yeah. No,
1: I mean, I don't, I don't have much more else to talk yeah. about. We're Why not going to stop at the in. Woodrow Wilson rest area, because I know John does not care for Woodrow Wilson. No. So we're probably going to stop at the Thomas Edison rust area like we did on the way down. I will once again relieve myself in New Jersey uh, to contribute to the smell. I don't know if you were smelling that earlier. We were getting a real nice funk coming through the the car. Gotta love New Jersey. And, uh, yeah, it was a real solid New Jersey funk that we were smelling there. So I'm excited uh, about, you know, contributing to that in just a little bit.
0: The headsets will be back next time, so the audio quality will be better. Thank you for bearing with us. Also, I'm excited about this. Bobby Valentine, I don't know if it'll be the next one, but Bobby Valentine has been in communication with me. He will be back to discuss his comments on 9-11 on on the the next podcast we have where we're able to get him. He's a busy man, Sacred Heart University, SNY. Apparently was in talks to be on the TBS playoff shows. Won't be because of this 9-11 thing, but we're going to give him a chance to break all that down next time.
1: Yeah, that would have been awesome if he was on TBS, too, because Olbermann really laid him out on his show. And Olbermann is actually going to be studio hosting that that TBS coverage. So that would have been great if he was on, uh, along with Pedro, too. Uh, But unfortunately, that's not happening. But he will be on the Friends of the Show podcast, as John mentioned. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, what's better than a 9-11 reset? Look forward to that. A lot to look forward to. And if you haven't watched the Brian Geiler video yet...
0: (laughs) Just watch it. Watch it and and share it with your friends of the show because that's what we all are here. So in a big way, especially tonight, thank you, friends of the show, for listening to the Friends of the Show podcast.